welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. It's my, it's my actual privilege this morning to be able to read from the scriptures and to um, share what I feel God is, is saying or what, what, what God has laid on my heart for us as a congregation. We are in a series called Restore the Awe. Everyone say that with me. Restore the Awe. Return to the person next to you and say, Restore the Awe. Restore the Awe. And that Awe is A-W-E, not O-R-A or O-R-E. For the people that thought someone stole the ore from the boat, it needs to be restored. Well, this is the restoring of the ore of God in our hearts. And um, I don't know about you, but I like to, to, to kind of make a bit of space to remind myself of how good God is. Because life can, life can just happen. Anyone else, life just kind of happens and, and you feel like you get lost at times, you get distracted at times, you, you kind of lose focus at times. So the whole heart of this series is not to kind of command us to this place where we honor and, and revere God, but to uh, bring us to a place where we see Him for who He truly is. And I honestly believe that when we get eyes to see Jesus for who He truly is, not who we have created Him to be, not who religion has created Him to be, but who He really is, then it does something in our hearts that captivates us and makes us want to give Him reverence, want to give Him our love, want to give Him our lives. And so perhaps this whole series is more about us catching a revelation and getting a, a, a proper view, a proper perspective of who God is than it is just about teaching or, or, or about um, learning new information. I was blessed by Bobby's message last week. I listened to it on the podcast already. And he, he, if you didn't get a chance to hear it, I, I'd encourage you to go back to the website and check out that podcast. Great teaching on the fear of the Lord and what it is, what it isn't, and what it means to us as people. And um, Bobby made a really good point last week about even the use of the word awe and the use of the word awesome. How many people have already in the last couple of days said something was awesome? The shoes are awesome. That food was awesome. That person is awesome. That, that worship was awesome. We use the word awesome like it's, it's just kind of some sort of um, phrase that, we, that we, we express to something. But I've been thinking, you know, if everything is awesome, then nothing's really awesome. Because if everything is awesome, then... Uh, nothing is actually awesome. Everything is kind of like normal. If everything's awesome, then nothing's really awesome. And if you look at the biblical word awe and, and the, the, the theme and the thought behind the awe of God um, and awesomeness, it was, it was reserved for God Himself. Awe was given to God. Our, our, our hearts were to be given to Him. And what we see is that wherever humanity uh, places their awe or their reverence or their devotion or their attention or their affection in any other thing or any other uh, empire or whatever it may be, there, there are problems that arise. Things start to happen when our awe gets misplaced. When we lose focus, when we give attention or affection or, or our hearts to something other than God Himself. And so I, I want to probably put to us that not everything is awesome. And if you've seen the Lego movie, that song might be playing in your mind right now. Everything is awesome. Come on, someone sing it. <laughs> Front row got it. 
But there's a, the Lego movie part two. There's another part of the song, another song, and it says, not everything is awesome. Maybe not everything is awesome, but God is awesome. And if, I think if we, if we put that word on everything else, perhaps we inadvertently diminish our uh, recognition of His awesomeness. Let's reserve the awe for God Himself, because He is truly worthy of our awe. Now, have you ever, you know, kind of forgotten what you were in a place for? Is that just me? Me and shopping centers are like, it's like a place of amnesia. I walk into a shopping center, and I've usually actually been ordained and commissioned to go to the shopping center by my wife with, with, with a mission in, in, in mind to go and get this, that, and the other. And I, I, I just feel like every time I walk into the shopping center, as soon as those doors open and I step foot into that shopping center, I cannot remember for the life of me what I was actually there for. I mean, there's been times when I've driven home and, and driven for like 20 minutes and got home and realized that I was at home and thought, how did I actually get here? Anyone else? It's kind of dangerous. But to walk into a shopping center and think, oh, I've got this, 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 and this that I'm here for, and then to walk past Foot Locker and see the red sign that says sale. And all of a sudden, I'm, 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 I've forgotten what I'm there for, and I'm looking at Air Maxes and thinking, wow, they're like 30% off. This could be God's purpose in my life. This could be the reason that I've been sent here this morning. And I'm real bad because I I forget what I'm there for. And then I have to call Stella and say, hey, can you remind me what was it that you needed? I remember most of it. It's a little trick, fellas. It's just that one thing that I forgot. And, um, you know, I remember times where I've called her even while I'm looking at shoes uh, Air Maxes, and she's re- re- reiterated what I was supposed to be at the shop for, and then I've been so enamored with the shoe that even listening to it, it's not com- I'm not comprehending. I'm looking at the the color on the shoe, and uh, I have to you know get away from the shop, and then realize I didn't even hear what she said the second time she told me what I was supposed to be here for, and then it's just kind of risk it. What do I usually get from the shop? Milk. You know, a couple of things that, that are kind of common, common goods because I don't want to be, you know, a little bit of pride rises up. I don't want to ring for the third time to ask what it was that I was supposed to be there for. But um, in life, I reckon we can have similar experiences where we've been put on this earth for a purpose. And, and the purpose of our lives ultimately is to glorify God, is to give Him glory. Our lives are to, to, to glorify the one who has given us life. And, and like me in the shopping center, we can go through life and, and, and kind of get distracted or, or forget the focus or forget what we're actually here for. And we can get lost in uh, the purpose and the, and the intention of what we're doing. I reckon it can be like that with our awe as well. That we can start off with this fresh revelation of who God is and how good He is, His kindness, His mercy, His grace. Uh, you know, a picture of how He has saved our lives, of how He's, he, he's brought us out of darkness and He's brought us into light. And it just wells up in our hearts of how good He is. But then along, along comes life and we go through the journey and, and, and at times we, we may lose that 
we may lose that picture, we may lose that sight. Different things come and they take our attention, they take our focus, they distract us and we find ourselves becoming all stuck. When I say all stuck, I mean that, that, that we're, we're, we're like stagnant in that revelation and that understanding of how good God is. I think the Christian life is like this journey where we, we, we don't ever stop realizing and being, receiving the revelation of how good He is. And our journey becomes more and more about stepping closer and walking closer to Him and being His, His glory and His majesty being revealed in our lives. That's the pathway of the Christian journey. But we can get to a place where we get stuck, where we take our eyes off Him and we look at other things and we think, wow, that's pretty cool. Wow, that relationship is awesome. Wow, this, this job is incredible. Wow, those finances that I want I, I, and my attention goes towards that. And I find myself being stuck, awestruck. And the, the, the word that I feel God gave me this morning was that He wants to, to take us from the place of being awestruck and move us to the place of being awestruck. Where again, I am enamored, where I, I am fascinated, where my heart is just overwhelmed with the glory and the majesty of Jesus. Where, where my heart is filled with awe for Him. To move from that place where maybe I'm stagnant, where maybe I'm a little indifferent, where I can, I can go through life and, and God is there and I, I know He's there, but I'm not necessarily too interested. I'm not moving in the direction that He's got for me. I'm not, I'm not following the plans that He has for me. I'm not overwhelmed with, with His goodness and His kindness and I'm just kind of stuck. And God, to bring us to the place where we, we're actually awestruck again. And I don't think that's necessarily um, something that is only taught. I feel like that's something that has to be caught. Because the revelation of His goodness is what changes us. It's, it's the realization that He is incredible that starts to do stuff in our hearts. How many of us are thankful for the Scriptures? This is another thing I reckon we can just kind of take for granted at times is, is, is the, the Bible, the, the, the Word of God that He's given to us, which uh, gives us the opportunity to see into His heart, to see who He is, to see what life is all about. And uh, we can become familiar with it. We can, we can see it's just another book. It's just on the, on the bookshelf. But I want to encourage us to, to search the Scriptures, to go to, to God's Word and to immerse ourselves in His thoughts, in, immerse ourselves in the way that He sees things. Don't let it become something that's familiar. We've got 16 Bibles in our house. Pro possibly. I don't really know. I, can't, I can't, can't confirm that, but there's quite a few of them. Some of them are, are dusty. You know, let's not become familiar with God's Word. I'm so happy. I'm so joyful. I'm so excited that He has given us the Scriptures. And um, in, within the Scriptures, there's different passages, there's different sections, there's different parts that describe different things. And who, who likes the Psalms? I love Psalms. The Psalms, the Psalms are a different kind of book. The Psalms are, are, are like this expression of humanity. You know, there's different ways of approaching and interpreting Scripture. And I think one of the keys for us to have a healthy interpretation of what Scripture is saying is to look at the way that we engage with different books of the Bible. So let's put that thing up there. We can look at the Scriptures literally, or we can look at the Scriptures literarily. Literally means that, that we, we take everything as a literal meaning, that, that as I read this, it's literally 
it's literal in its sense of, of what it means, or literarily means I look at the type of writing, the type of context, the, the, the occasion, the purpose that this was actually written, which then informs the way that I interpret it, informs the way that I engage with it. So the Psalms, to me, are not necessarily meant to be, literally, to be read literally in the way that I'm going to build some sort of doctrine or theology out of what I read in the Psalms. I'm not going to build a doctrine around God's presence leaving me because I see David say, don't take your presence from me. It's not, it's not that he's trying to give us a, a key to theology. It's actually he's expressing his, his, his emotion. He's expressing the feeling that, that, that he's having. He's expressing his, his, his journey. This is what it feels like. God's not with me. I can't see him. So I'm not building a doctrine out of that, but I'm, I'm looking at it as this is, this is the expression of the human soul. And so when I read the Psalms, when we read the Psalms, we, 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 we get this insight into the journey of humanity. And we find out that it's not just us at times that get stuck. There are many people of God who have come before us that have journeyed in the same way. They've had experiences take place in their lives that have taken their focus away from God and, 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 and they've focused on how big the problem is or how big the issue is or how big uh, the things that are taking place around them. And then you see them journey through that and express that and, and say, hang on a second, God, you're in this. God, you, you're there with me. God, you're, you're, you're doing something in this situation. And the Psalms give us almost this pattern not prescriptively in a pattern, but, but this, this way of looking at life and thinking, you know what, it's okay for me to journey through and to express and to, to learn about God through all of the experiences that I have. And this morning I want to take from the Psalms and, and, and take out a couple of little uh, keys, I guess things that people who wrote Psalms did or we see in the way that they reflected and how they helped them to move away from being all stuck to being all struck again. Just a couple of them. And then I'm thinking we're going to finish with, with a little bit of a practical um, opportunity for us to, to kind of psalm ourselves. So let me just kick it off here. One of the first things that we see within the psalms, one of the most uh, common themes that, that we find in the psalms is this, this theme of praise. And we've already sung praise we've already spoken about praise but we see time and time again that the psalms have this expression of praise there are there are psalms just devoted to the praise of god there are sections of psalms that are devoted to the praise of god the last five psalms actually are like closing off the psalm, the book of psalms and they they all point to the praise of god here is a key for us when we get all stuck, when we, when we lose focus, when we lose our, our, our devotion or we lose our attention. It's to exercise the power of praise. To start to praise God because praise is powerful. Let's read from Psalm 22. This is titled, it's understood to be a psalm of lament. Here's another good thing that we see in the Psalms is that there's, there's these Psalms that are called lament Psalms, which is where, where we're kind of, you know, this is what's happening in my world and this is how I'm feeling about it and I'm not actually feeling too good about it. Lament is another powerful thing. Lament is a, is a gift to us to, to journey through and process some of what happens in our lives. 
you know, it, it's, not, it's not just all fairy foss and, and bouncy castles when you follow Jesus. There are things that happen in our lives that we have to process, things that aren't necessarily fun and aren't necessarily good. And, and we get this insight that it's okay to journey through that. But lament was, was always meant as a passage, not as a place to live. And you'll see in the, in the Psalms that people lament and they journey through this grief passage, but then they get to a place where they come back to the awe of God. Psalm 22, it starts off like this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, I find, uh, but I do not find rest. He starts off by expressing this is how I'm actually feeling right now. It feels like God is distant. Theologically, we understand that God is right there. But the, the emotion, the, 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 the situation, the circumstance is making me feel like God isn't there. And he starts crying out, I'm crying out and you're not answering. Anyone else, let's be honest, anyone else you know, ever feel like that? God, I'm crying out for you. I need to see you in this, but I, I just can't. I can't see you right now. Why have you forsaken me? Where are you? It starts off with this, this expression that I feel abandoned, I feel isolated, I feel like you're not there. And then verse 3, he says, Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In, our, in you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and they were saved. In you they trusted and they were not put to shame. So he starts to, 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 to express, hang on, God, I've seen you move in the past. I've heard the stories about your goodness. I've, seen what you, I, I've heard the testimonies of what you've done for others. And he brings that in. Then he goes into verse 6. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. You see, this can happen to us where what's going around us, what's happening around us starts to affect what's happening in us. His circumstances, his situation where he's feeling abandoned, where he's feeling isolated, where he feels like God has forgotten him, it starts to affect what's happening on the inside of him. His view of himself, I'm not a man, I'm a worm. He starts to, to, to internalize and to, to come back to what, what, what do I feel about myself. It starts to affect who he sees himself as. There's no doctrine to be built from this. This is his experience. This is how he's feeling. And some of us in this room have gone through similar situations where we felt like God wasn't there. And it affected how we saw ourselves. It affects how we see others. And then he goes on for a, a whole stack of verses where he's talking about it. He's talking about how bad it is, how difficult it is, how the situation is. And then it comes to verse 22. And verse 22, seemingly out of nowhere, he says this, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has listened to his cry from help. Very different to what he was saying in the first part. But he starts to praise God. He starts to lift up a praise to God. He says, I will, from, from you, 
comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. It starts to prophesy. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. He goes on, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And that all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. And all who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about him. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. What was the transitional shift? What was the difference? It started when he started to praise God. Because praise takes our eyes off of our circumstances and puts our eyes onto God. Praise takes our eyes off of what's happening around us and puts our eyes on Him. Praise breaks open our revelation of God. Praise brings presence, the presence of God into our, our situation. It says that He enthrones the praises of His people. He inhabits the praises of His people. So as I start to praise God, I start to invite His presence into my situation. The psalmist starts to praise Him. I see what's happening. This is how I'm feeling, but I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to lift up his name. I'm going to exalt him. I'm going to tell people of how good he is. I am going to praise God. Will you praise him? Will you praise him on top of the mountain? Will you praise him at the bottom of the valley? Will you praise him? Because no matter what happens in life, God is always worthy of our praise. God is always worthy of our praise. And praise becomes a weapon, as Marit said this morning, that helps me to, to get my focus, to helps me to get my perspective back into alignment, to realize that, God, you are greater, you are bigger than anything that, I, that surrounds me, anything that's happening in me. God, you are greater than all of those things. And as I start to praise him, I believe the, the revelation of his greatness starts to expand in my life. There's something that perpetuates as we start to praise God. As I start to focus on His glory, as I start to focus on how worthy He is and give Him praise for who He is, not just what He does, but who He is, it starts to unlock and open up and enlarge my heart for the revelation of how good He is. It's like it just gives me the, the ability, it expands my awe of Him the more that I speak about how awesome He is. So we praise Him for who He is. We don't neglect what's happening in our lives. We don't necessarily forget about what we're, what, we're, what we're journeying through. That's not what it's about. It's about praising Him in the midst of it. And praise isn't just an antidote to bad times. Praise isn't just reserved to get me out of a situation. Praise is the expression of my heart when I am, when I am captivated by how good He is. The only expression is to praise Him. The only expression is to give thanks, to, to, to say that you are good, God. You are worthy, God. You are so good, so glorious. And my heart just wants to praise you. Praise is not something that needs to be commanded whilst we are commanded in the Scriptures to praise Him. Praise is something that, that, is, that is expressed from a heart that is so in love, so grateful, so thankful for who He is. And I just want to tell Him. That is awesome. Praise is so powerful. And I know at times people can think, well, why does God want us to praise Him? Because he needs, he needs a little bit of encouragement, does He? Does God want to get a big head? You know what? Praise is actually 
I feel like it's, it does more in me than it does to God. It, it reminds me of how good He is. It reminds me of how awesome He is. And I get to praise Him. Can you think about that. How crazy is that? That we get to praise, express our thanksgiving, our honor to Him, to the God that created us. Does that mess with anyone else's mind? That we're invited into this space where we can just give praise to Him. And even my greatest praise, even the best words that I could come up with, the best expression that I could have, doesn't do justice to how good He is. But I'm going to praise Him anyway. So may the praise of God always be on our lips. When we feel like we're stuck, when, 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 I, when I've lost focus, when, when I'm, I'm, I'm a bit indifferent, when I'm not sure, when I'm, when, when I'm, 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 I'm just kind of stuck, let praise be a response. Let it be a weapon that turns you in the right direction, that focuses you upon Him, that allows you to give Him the glory that He deserves. That's what we're on this earth for, to give Him glory. The power of praise. Here is another one. And this is a little bit different. And it's a bit of a unique word. It's the power of pondering. Can everyone say ponder? Do that like, hmm, ponder. Is it there? Where do you put your... On your chin? Hmm, ponder. To ponder means to, 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 to think deeply about, to consider, to meditate upon, to, to, to give thought to. And as Pentecostal charismatics, we're usually pretty good at the, the, the proclamation, the declaration, but not so good, generalizing, of course, at the pondering, at engaging thoughtfully with what God is and what He's done and who He is and what He's doing. At pondering and engaging with our situation and circumstance and thinking about you know, what's happening and, and why I'm feeling this way or what's going on around me. And then thinking and meditating upon His goodness. Psalm 111, it says, Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all of my heart in the counsel of the upright in the, in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are His deeds, and His righteousness endures forever. He has caused His wonders to be re remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear Him. He remembers His covenant forever. He has shown His people the power of His works, giving them the lands of other nations. The work of His hands are faithful and just. All His precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprighteousness. Uprightness. He provided redemption for His people. He ordained His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow His precepts have good, have good understanding. To Him belongs eternal praise. This is a whole poem, a psalm, a song that is dedicated to thinking about how good God is. To just expressing that He's compassionate, He's merciful, He keeps His covenant, He's good, He's delivered us. Pondering, thinking, engaging with, meditating upon how good He is. You know, when you get stuck in life, sometimes it's because we give our thoughts to other things. We think about the finances, we get caught on that. We think about the issues, we think about you know, what we're going to have for lunch. Some of you are thinking that right now. What is for lunch? And we get caught in that space and, and, 
and we're given this gift of, of, of just reflecting upon God's, God's goodness and fixing our thoughts upon Him and, 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 and pondering that He's actually here. He, he, he's good. Processing and understanding that God is, is with us. Fill your mind with thoughts toward God and watch what happens in your life. Watch again how He starts to enlarge in you. Things might not change around you, but something will change in you. And often that's the key to breakthrough, is what God does in us before what He does around us. Breakthrough in the way I think, breakthrough in the way I see Him, breakthrough in, in, in the way I interpret the circumstances and the things that are happening to me. To process and to ponder that God is good. Even take one of His, his, his you know, the characteristics that we see of His nature. Take his kindness and spend five minutes just reflecting, God, you are so kind. Your kindness blows me away. The way you love me, the way, the way you, you are there for me, the way you, you've provided for me. God, your kindness, it's, it, I can't even understand why. To just stop and to think and to, to, to ponder and to meditate on, you know, a compassion, his compassion. God, you are so compassionate. You are so compassionate. Can you see what that will do to your heart? Can you see that will do to your, what that will do to your focus? Where It will bring you in alignment. It will bring you toward Him to ponder. I had a, yeah, even just kind of processing and thinking about what's happening in our own hearts. Sometimes we just kind of go on with it. Life feels like it's so fast-paced that you don't get to stop and to reflect and to think, why am I feeling this way? Why, why, why is this going on in my, in my, in my heart? Why, why am I frustrated? Why am I so angry? To actually sit with God and just say, God, w w what's going on inside of me? What is it that's causing this reaction or this response to me? A couple of weeks ago, I had, uh, you know, there's, there's been some stuff that's kind of been troubling my spirit. It's been, it's been you know, I've been carrying it. And I uh, had a chat with my wife and sat down and started to just kind of unpack some of the stuff that's been going on in my heart. And... I get this water stuff in my eyes, which started as little driplets and then turned into like this sobbing. And I, I, it kind of just helped me to realize that I've been carrying some stuff that I haven't processed because I just haven't sat with God and, and allowed Him to, to unpack and show what's going on inside of me, that I've been just trying to hold on and move on and, and, and just kind of hold it. And then I just broke down. I felt a little bit embarrassed. But it was evidence to me that I needed to, to process some stuff and to, to get perspective that, God, you're actually in it. Part of it was, you know, um, part of it was like a, a shift in uh, some relationships, uh, particularly with our youth team and uh, ha having a support system that has been there for a long time and now my situation has changed and so don't have as close uh, a relationship with some of them. And that grieved me to think, you know, I feel, I feel actually like I've lost some relationships or the relationships have changed. And to process that and to, to, to understand that, that that's okay, it's part of life and God is in it. And I actually sent a message to a friend and said, dude, this is what I'm kind of feeling right now. I'm feeling a little alone and I'm being vulnerable here. I'm feeling a little alone in this and uh, gave him some, this is what's, what's happening in my heart, this is what I'm thinking. 
And you know what he sends back? Four words. He goes, you're never alone. I was like, you could have at least kind of given me a little bit of empathy or something. It's quite matter of fact. But I, I, I read it and I thought, yeah, I'm actually never alone. And so when I feel alone, my perspective has to change. My, 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 uh, my mind has to change. And I've got to reflect and say that God is actually in this. But to ponder, just, just to sit with, to make space. Imagine if you did that every day. You just woke up. You made 10 minutes, 5 minutes to just appreciate God. To just think about how good He is. You took one of those things, oh, God, your grace is incredible. And just journaled or, or, or just sat with Him. Imagine what that could do in your heart. Imagine what it could change in your heart and turn you toward him to be again awestruck. Here is the, the, the last kind of key that I see in the scriptures or in the Psalms that I wanted to bring this morning. And it's the, the thought of perspective. Perspective. Psalm 73 verse 1. It says, Surely God is good to Israel. Surely to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I'd nearly lost my foothold. Then I envisioned, I envisioned the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong, and they are free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From the callous hearts come iniquity. And he starts to... to uh, Look at all these things, and basically what he's saying is, I'm looking at people who are not following God. I'm looking at people who are living unrighteous lives, and, and they're prospering. Their life is good. They don't have issues. They don't have the same issues that I've got. And it says that I almost slipped away. I almost turned away. Surely I've been in vain in keeping my heart pure. I'm wasting my time trying to follow, follow God. Because I look at their lives and I see what they're going through and I see and I think, man, that, that's so good. All the day I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishment to me. And when I tried to understand this, it troubled me deeply. Verse 16. Well, it's the perspective at which he's looking at life. And he's seeing from a human perspective that the, the, those who are outside of the house of Israel, those who are outside of, of, of God's people are flourishing. That everything's going great. And I'm trying to follow Jesus and life's falling apart. And he says, and, and then I, it troubled me deeply. And verse 17 says, Till I entered the sanctuary of God, and then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. And he goes on to, to, to see how, uh, what, the, what, what eternity awaits for those who are distant from God. And at that point, as he went into the sanctuary, it says that he has a different perspective on what's happening. God shifts and changes his perspective. And so the way that he was, he was engaging with what was happening was like, there's no point in me trying to follow you. There's no point in me keeping my heart pure. What's the, what's the point? And then I came into the sanctuary. Then I entered into his presence. And when I came into his presence, he was able to give me his perspective. He showed me what actually is happening. He showed me what, what the destiny of those people are. And it changes the way that I engage with life. Perspective is a huge thing. 
Sometimes our situation, we have, we have a, a perspective that, it, that is blanketed in what is happening, what I can see, what I can touch, what I can understand. And we at times just need to come into God's presence, into that sanctuary and allow Him to open up our perspective, to give us His perspective of what is taking place. There was this uh, man on a train. And uh, he's, he's catching a train and he's going towards his destination. And uh, this, this uh, younger guy comes onto the train with three kids. And uh, the guy sits down and he just kind of sits down and just kind of puts his music on and just sits there. And the kids start going crazy. They're running up and down the train. They're like banging over people's newspapers. They're just going like nuts. This is, this is like kids going crazy. And the man that's sitting on the train, he's seeing this and he's seeing the dad and he's, or he's, he thought he was the dad and he, he, he's looking and he's thinking, why isn't he doing something? His kids are going nuts. They're like, they're, being, they're causing a ruckus here. Someone's got to do something. And so he sits there and he bides his time and he's like biting, he's getting frustrated, he's getting angry because his interpretation of what's happening is these kids are just going crazy. Anyway, he gets up enough courage to go and talk to the man, and he goes over and he goes, Sir, um, I'm not trying to be rude, but your kids are just going crazy. Is there, is there something we can do to, to, to stop them, to, to keep them calm? And the dad, the, the dad looks up at him and is like in his daze, and he says to him, Yeah, thanks. We actually, we actually just left the hospital, and their mum just passed away. And the kids, uh, yeah, they don't, they don't understand what's happening and, and I don't know what to do. And the guy said that immediately at, at that, that point there, it changed his perspective of what was taking place. And as it changed his perspective, it changed his response to that thing. To say, well, can we help? Is there anything that we can do? Can we get around you? What, what can we do? Your perspective actually affects your response. It affects how you respond to life. It, ex- it affects how you respond to, to, um, to God, your perspective. God, you're doing this to me. God, why are you striking me like this? God, wh- where are you in this? Your perspective affects how you respond to Him. And so to allow Him to give us His perspective, to come into that place of His presence, as I entered into the sanctuary, as I came into that space, God, you gave me revelation. You showed me your perspective. You showed me what, what's actually happening here. Sometimes we get stuck in life. We get stuck in our, in our journey with Jesus because we have uh, an unhealthy or an unhelpful perspective of what's taking place. But if we engage with Him, if we allow Him to, He can show us. He can give us revelation, insight into, you know, maybe something different is, is taking place here. Maybe there, there's a different perspective to consider this from. He doesn't always. But, but there are times when He helps us to, to actually engage with what's taking place from His perspective, from, from an eternal perspective, rather than what I can understand or comprehend in my human understanding. And the Psalms are full of this as well, where they journey from this one place. And this is what I feel like, and this is where I'm at, and this is what I'm seeing. And, and, and then, God, you did something. You showed me something, and it changed my perspective. And now I'm going to worship you. And now I'm going to give you the praise that is due to you. So your perspective matters. And allowing God to adjust and to deal with and to show us, what, what, what are you doing in this situation, God? It matters. So they're just a couple of ideas, a couple of thoughts, a couple of keys that can help us to, to, when we get into that place of being stuck or stuck, 
to, to, to turn our attention to focus to him. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.